0: Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, Fight, Winning the Battles that Matter the Most. We hope it's a blessing to you. I love the story of Rocky, and I love the story of Samson as found in the Bible, And I love these stories because I feel I can relate to them, not from a physical strength standpoint, but from wanting physical strength. I've shared this with you before, but one of my greatest dreams growing up, one of the greatest desires I had as a young kid is I wanted to be an offensive lineman in football because these are the strength guys. I mean, these are the individuals who are just grinding it out week after week, and they don't get any credit or any attention. But it's because of their strength that games are won or lost. And again, they don't get any credit. They're not the ones running the ball. They're not making fancy catches. They're not scoring touchdowns. They're just doing all of the dirty work. And it's because of their strength that others are able to do what they can do. So I always dreamed of being an offensive lineman. I wanted to be a center, the guy who hikes the ball, and then fire off the line and get into that secondary level and look for a linebacker or a cornerback just to flatten. Like, I thought that would be a lot of fun. But, unfortunately, God didn't give me that kind of ability or size or strength. But I will tell you this. When I look in the mirror every day, this is what I see. Yeah, (laughs) You never knew a big offensive lineman could wear glasses, right? This is what I picture. This is what I see. But obviously, it didn't happen for me. But it did happen for Samson. And we're going to read about his incredible strength today. And we're going to see that continue to unfold in the weeks to come as well. Here's the thing about Samson. Incredible strength, weak will. That's what he had. He had incredible strength, but a weak will. And when you put these things together, great strength with a weak will, it is a recipe for disaster. And unfortunately, this is what happens to Samson. Last week, we were introduced to him as a historical figure. And what we discovered is that he had so much going for him. He's a leader, he's a judge, he's a military hero for his people. And again, he's been given great strength from God. He has so much going for him, but unfortunately, he becomes very selfish. He kind of takes his eyes off of God and the commitments that he had made to God and before God. And he becomes very selfish, and what we learned is that when selfishness invaded his life, when it took a front row seat, Samson is unable to avoid the temptations that follow. When selfishness moved in, he found himself in a lot of trouble. Here's our big idea for today, and that is watch for temptation. All right, watch for it. This is for all of us. Watch for temptation. And here's why. Because it's waiting for you. And we don't often consider this, but we have to be diligent in watching for temptation all of the time, every day, every moment, because temptation is waiting for us. What I want to think through today is winning the battle of temptation. And there are some fights that we must engage in. There are some battles that we must win. And I believe temptation is one of these battles. It's worthy of our time. It's worthy of us putting on the gloves and going a few rounds so that we can win this all-important battle. Last week, we talked about winning the battle of selfishness. And when we investigated the life of Samson, we discovered that he was pretty selfish. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's all of us as well. And so that's another battle that it's worth fighting. We got to go a few rounds with selfishness. Well, as we continue through his life story, we're going to discover today that this battle of temptation, it is worthy of our attention and it's worthy of our time. So when you dig into the life of Samson, it seems like he had a mantra when it came to temptation. And again, we'll look into some of these different things that invaded his life today. But it seems like he had this mantra when it came to temptation that sounds like this. I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. And that's just what he said over and over again when these temptations invaded his life. I want it, I deserve it, And I can handle it. I want you to remember those thoughts. I want you to remember Samson's mantra when it comes to temptation. Because we're going to come back in a little bit and build our takeaways around those statements. I want it. I deserve it. And I can handle it. Again, this is what Samson says with every temptation that comes his way. And it gets him into a lot of trouble. All right, let's look into his life now. If you have a Bible or a device... I want you to find Judges chapter 14. We're going to hang out in this chapter today. Judges is an Old Testament book that shares a bit of the history of Israel and some of their heroes. One of those heroes, one of those judges, one of those military heroes, these individuals that God raised up to lead His people was named Samson. And so here's what we discover about him. Judges chapter 1, chapter 14, verse 1. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. This is very interesting language here. And the Hebrew idiom used here indicates that something was appealing to him. Actually, when you research this, most scholars agree there was something that was tempting him. And what was appealing to him, what was tempting him, was a particular girl. He saw her. She was attractive. He desired her. And so he made a pronouncement to his parents, I want you to go and get her. Because she's appealing. She's attractive. And and I want her. I desire her. And I want to marry her. Verse 3. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Now we have to remember, whenever you're reading through Scripture and the Old Testament in particular and the ancient history of Israel, when you come across the Philistines, you just have to remind yourself. These are the enemies of God's people. They hate God and they hate everything that God represents. And so Samson desires a Philistine woman and his parents knew that this is a bad idea. This is not going to work. They hate our God. This is not going to end well. But Samson said, that's what I want. And it says here that he told his father, get her for me. Because she looks good to me. Go and get her for me. She looks really good to me. I desire her. I'm tempted by her. Now, this all seems kind of strange to us. But keep this in mind. This is a different time and a different culture. And we have to be very careful not to superimpose our culture into an ancient culture, especially when you find something like this in ancient literature. We can get ourselves in trouble and come to some wrong conclusions. So in this culture at that time, in the near eastern ancient culture, marriages were generally arranged by the parents, or at least they had a big say in what happened. And as you study and you research marriages in this culture, most of them were very simple business transactions. Now again, that's not our culture. That's not what we understand, but we have to understand this culture if we're going to get what's happening to Samson here. And so he's basically saying, mom and dad, there's somebody that I desire. And he might not have used this language, but in his mind, he was tempted by this woman. They said, it's not a great idea This isn't going to work long-term. You probably shouldn't do that, but Samson didn't care. He saw it. He wanted it. He felt he deserved it, and he could handle it, and so he kind of threw off all of that advice, and he told his mom and dad, go make the deal. I mean, make all of the arrangements, because this is what I want to happen. I want this girl. Verse 5 as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. All right, so they're returning. They're ready to make the deal. Here's what happens, and here's where we get one of our first displays of the great strength of Samson. A young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. And Samson's a strong guy. When Samson then arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman, and he was very pleased with her. He still likes her. Verse 8, Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, all right, everything's in motion now, he turned off the path. Now, that's a phrase I want you to Remember? All right, He turned off the path. And we're going to see this repeated often in his life. So when he returned to Timna for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother and they ate it. But he didn't tell them He had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Now, let's pause there for a moment because we got to remind ourselves about Samson as a Nazarite. Last week I unpacked a bit of this information, but Samson made some commitments. He made some vows about how he was going to live. Again, we don't make Nazarite vows today, but to understand the story and what's happening here, it's helpful to know what is a Nazarite? And that was Samson. So he made some vows. And here's some of the vows that a Nazarite had to make. No alcohol, don't touch dead things, and don't cut your hair. Right? Very simple. And the people who followed this, who made these kinds of commitments, were called Nazarites, and that's Samson. So no alcohol, don't touch dead things, and don't cut your hair. Makes sense, Right? Well, what do we find Samson doing here? He's touching a dead thing. And he's returning from this whole arrangement, and they're getting ready, and he knows that there is a lion somewhere over there because he had made that kill, and he's probably hungry and wants something to eat. And so Samson goes over to the lion, and he scoops honey out of the carcass, and he eats it, and then he shares that with his parents. Nasty, don't you think? It's really kind of disgusting well in addition to being nasty it was a clear violation of his vows because he was told don't touch anything dead but yet that's what we find him doing here and I want to pull out a thinking point all right so here's something for all of us to consider and I want you to hear this so I want you to look up here for just a moment as we walk through the story There's some things that kind of just jump out some thinking points. And here's one of them. Most of the time, I want you to hear this. Most of the time, temptation begins with something good. Most of the time, not always. But most of the time, temptation begins with something good. Samson's hungry. He wants something to eat. That's not a bad thing at all. But yet he did the very thing that God told him not to do. Temptation begins to win. It wins. Well, let's continue. Verse 10 says, As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage. So the deal is coming together. Here's what Samson did. He threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. And when the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. So what we observe here is that Samson is fully moving forward with what he wants. He wants this girl. He's throwing off all of the wisdom that's being given to him, his parents, and probably others who are saying, I don't think this is a great idea. He kind of just ignores all of that, and he charges forward in his desire to marry this girl, along the way, he begins breaking vows. But that's where it stops, right? Like one would think it's not that big of a deal. He just broke one vow. Certainly he can overcome this, but that's not what we find here. We discover that he falls again to temptation, and he begins breaking more vows. And here's where we get another thinking point that we can pull out of the story. And here it is. The thing with temptation is if we don't turn, temptation is progressive in nature and it becomes very difficult to stop. Very difficult. And for any of you who have been overwhelmed with temptation, you understand this, you get this. If you don't turn away at some point, There is a progressiveness to temptation that just invades and devours us. And it becomes very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to stop. And that's what we discover here. So let's think about this for a moment. Samson is preparing a bit of a party for other elite men in preparation for his wedding. This word party in Hebrew is interesting. It's the word mishta, and it means feast, Banquet or drink. So here's Samson. He's preparing for his wedding. He wants this girl and his parents make the deal. And so there's these 30 elite, good-looking men probably coming together and they are having a mishta. They're feasting and they're banqueting and they're drinking. This is like a big bachelor party, isn't it? I mean, it's okay to laugh. That's probably what's happening here. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but as you exegete the passage, as you walk through it and pull things from the story, I think it becomes pretty clear that Samson breaks another vow. As a matter of fact, one scholar says it this way, it is unlikely that he abstained from strong drink. Again, I'm not 100% sure But the language suggests as you walk through the story, what comes out of it is that they are having a great bachelor party and things are probably getting a little bit out of control. Remember the vows? We've already seen him break one of them. Don't touch anything dead. And he's just scooping killer tacos out of the carcass (laughs) of the lion. He's just going for it. He doesn't care. He's hungry. And he loses that battle with temptation. And then we find him a little further down the road. Mishta. Big party. And probably breaking another vow where he was told, no alcohol. As a Nazarite, that is something that you cannot have and that you cannot do. Samson just seems to not care. While communicating, I want it. I deserve it. And I can handle it. And whether that's with food or the girl or the mishnah, whatever that is, he just continually is saying, I want that. I deserve it. And no matter what happens, I can handle this. We're going to pause the story of Samson today right there. We're going to come back next week and continue walking through his life events. But I'm going to pause it right there because I want to share some takeaways with all of us. Here's the interesting thing about a story like this. It can be easy for us to just look at Samson and say, you know, he really had some problems. He didn't have his head screwed on straight. He ignored the truth that was all around him. He just kind of ignored all of that, which was not good for him. And just to point at Samson and pick at him. But here's the deal. We have to throw ourselves into the story. We have to throw ourselves into the narrative of what's taking place here. And what about me? How would I behave? How would I respond in a situation like this? So I want to build some takeaways around these statements, this mantra of Samson that I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. But I want to begin with a question. And here's the question for all of us What's your temptation? What's yours? Again, really easy to think about all the temptations of other people and what we see, but what is the thing that easily trips you? The thing that's just there and keeps grabbing you and biting you and won't leave. I think we all struggle with something. I created a bit of a list, and I'll just read this list to you. Maybe you find your temptation here. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But just think about that thing that trips you. Here's a list. Gossip. Food. Laziness. Sex. Pornography. Worry. Overuse of alcohol. Maybe something else addictive. Overuse of electronics. Social media cheating, elevating yourself at the expense of others. You know, human temptation has so many variables and versions and combinations. I don't think any list can contain them all. And so this is why you have to think about that thing that trips you, what gets you, what bothers you, what tempts you. At some point, Samson lost his give-a-care. And that often happens to us in the battle with temptation. We just stop caring. He lost his give a care. He didn't care about what God said. And he begins breaking his vows. He didn't care about the warnings of his parents. He didn't care about truth. He didn't care about honoring God. And that lands him in a pretty awful place. And the same thing happens to all of us. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I want to give you a very simple three-step approach built on Samson's mantra of, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. We're going to flip those statements a little bit. So I want to give you a practical three-step approach that I think you can begin implementing as soon as you walk out of here that will give you a measure of success. All right, so grab a pen or something. Write this stuff down. I would encourage you to do that because it's very helpful. I want to go back to the big idea. Watch for temptation. That's for all of us. I've got to do that. You've got to do that. Watch for temptation because it's waiting for you. How? All right, let's look at these statements. Number one, turn I want it into I want God and initiate prayer. Turn I want it, I want that thing. And two, I want God instead, and the best way to do that is to initiate prayer and beg for God's help in that moment to help us overcome. One of the things that happens with temptation is we get overwhelmed in the moment. That just happens to us. And it's normally in those moments where God seems very far and very distant, and we can keep him there. And we can even push Him further into the shadows if we're not careful. So in the moment, instead of saying, I want it, we have to communicate, I want God. And I believe the greatest way to do that is to begin talking to Him so that God doesn't seem so distant and so far. He becomes real to us and He's there to help and assist. Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it this way, In our members there is a slumbering inclination toward desire which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery of the flesh. All at once a secret, smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it is a sexual desire or ambition or vanity or a desire for revenge, our love of fame and power or greed for money. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. And when God becomes unreal to us, no matter how long we've known Him or how long we've walked with Him or how deep we feel our relationship may be, if God begins to feel unreal to us, we will fall to every temptation that comes our way. It's just going to happen. And so we've got to turn I want it into I want God and initiate prayer. Cry out to God for His help in that moment. Secondly, Turn I deserve it into I don't deserve it and initiate self-denial. I don't think it's very popular right now to talk about self-denial. But yet every once in a while, it's okay to say no to self, to deny self. If it hurts me in my relationship with God, if it's a clear violation of truth in Scripture, those are instances where I have to deny self. And I have to say no. And I've got to turn I deserve it into I don't deserve this and deny self. That's okay to do. And give yourself permission every once in a while to deny self. Thirdly, turn I can handle it into I can't handle it without God and initiate Scripture. Turn I can handle this into I can't handle this without God and initiate scripture. Perhaps your life verse. This is why we take time every year to say you pick a verse or two and why I challenge you to memorize that so it's on your mind so that in moments of temptation, when the battle is strong, you have some scripture to throw at whatever is bothering you and whatever trips you. When Jesus was tempted, and yes, Jesus was tempted when he was here on earth, it happened to him. He voraciously used scripture to combat non truth with truth. And if Jesus needed to do that, who never sinned and overcame every temptation that he encountered, if that's something that Jesus did, if he used scripture, then certainly this is something that we should be doing as well. And so I would encourage you, find a target, find a verse. Maybe it's your life verse, maybe it's something else, but find Scripture and soak your mind in that and use it in the heat of the battle to overcome whatever that temptation may be. Several years ago, I had a friend come to me and challenge me with this and say, look, Eric, you got to have some verses and you got to find something that when you are tempted and when the heat is on in that moment, you can just say this over and over and over again to walk yourself out of that temptation. And so I began to search and I actually found something in Romans chapter 6. I'll share this with you because I think it's so beautiful. Romans chapter 6, and I memorize this because it's helpful to me and helps me overcome the heat of the battle and the temptation it diverts my mind unto things that are honorable and pure and what God wants for me. So Hebrews chapter 6, the gist of it is this. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the idea there is, should we just go on sinning so that I can experience the grace of God? Because that's a good thing and we all love that. And we all enjoy when we experience God's forgiveness. So should I just keep on sinning so that I can almost abuse the grace of God? What should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace can abound? God forbid, that's what it says. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer there in it? So I remind myself in the heat of the moment with the temptation, I am dead to that sin. I don't have to give in. I don't have to say yes. And guess what? I can't handle this, but I can handle it with God. So I'm not going to keep on sinning so that grace can abound. I'm dead to this. I don't have to live in it anymore. And I'll play that over and over and over again in my mind until I'm able to walk free of the temptation. And I would encourage you to do the same because we can't handle it. We can't handle it without God. And so let's initiate Scripture. You know, some battles are worth fighting for. Some battles are. Sometimes we've got we to put on the gloves, both gloves. And, and we have to have some rounds. We've got to fight. And I think the battle of temptation is a worthy battle and something that we must win. Absolutely, we must win this. And So my encouragement for all of us, is let's initiate prayer. Let's initiate self-denial. And let's initiate scripture. And know that the battle of temptation is something that can be won. It can be done. Father, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for a look into the life of Samson again. And we're spending some time walking through this judge he had so much going for him he was a leader he was a hero to his people but yet what we discover is that continually he turned off the path and he turned away instead of honoring you and living for you and pleasing you even confessing and getting back on the right path after he messed up, he continually chased the things that he shouldn't have been chasing because he communicated, I I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. God, I think we all need to get low today and say, the things that we want and the things that we feel we deserve and the things that we sense we can handle, we can't handle. No, we just can't. And so I pray for myself and everyone in this room right now as we leave in just a bit that you would give us the strength and the fortitude and the passion with whatever trips us, whatever is nipping at our heels, whatever is there continually that we seem to say yes to when we want to say no to it, that we would have some level of success this week. In putting on the gloves and going a few rounds with temptation. God, help us to initiate prayer. God, help us to cry out to you and ask for your help in these moments. God, help us to initiate self-denial. Help us to just say no. Just say no to self and deny some of these things that we feel we want. And God, I pray that you'd help us to initiate scripture. To use your word just like Jesus did. To battle non-truth with truth. God, I pray that you give us victory this week. Whatever it looks like, in our homes, at school, for our students, there's so many temptations they face. Help them. At work, everywhere we go, God, all of these temptations, they just invade. So help all of us from the youngest in here to the oldest, to be able to walk through this week with a sense of a plan, initiating prayer, initiating self-denial, and initiating scripture. God, help us to fight well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com and click online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Please reach out to us at prayer at valleypointchurch.com.